You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. Here's the other one. Uh, Chris Walden said, when you would come to the ring, would you pour water over yourself to show off the muscles? Because you know everybody comes out, they're always see glistening and everything. Right. Was it water? Yeah, that's what I used was water. Um, I'd pour it in my hair. Then, this, of course, I wore in the black, and I was pretty tanned. And I thought that's what worked best. Excellent. Uh, oh, Rocky came back here, says, anytime, Sid, me and my asylum crew are here to help. And that was probably about Tojo. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Rocky. Yeah. I apologize. I didn't get to that one quicker, Rocky, because they, they're coming in pretty fast here. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Uh, Jesse. Yeah, here she is. Jesse Jane said, man, Sid, you still look great. Uh, miss you wrestling. Met you as a kid and you were so sweet. Oh, thank you very much. Well, that's what I talk about, Rob, is walking from the building to the, the, the locker room to your your vehicle that night, be a car, van, or whatever. You know, going to the trunk, throwing your bag in, it'd be really hot or really cold and snowing, and you'd have those people would stay out there to the end. Now, they uh, sometimes it was different. Sometimes they wanted just to tell you how great you were, and someone uh, told you the story about that girl's like, Sid, you really suck. I went, yeah, I know. <laughs> and finally, she's after saying it about five or six times, I'd go, she says, no, really, you're, you're pretty good. I went, no, you said it, and I'm going to agree with you. I suck. You know, and she goes, no, you really don't. I said, no, I, I really do. So she hands me this. She goes, here's a gift. And there's a piece of paper that said a free visit with Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> you know, so you had those fun moments like that, you know. Oh, man. Uh, here's one. Oh, someone didn't see WrestleMania 8. TJ, did you ever wrestle Hulk Hogan? Yeah, I wrestled him a bunch of times in tag matches. And then uh, one time at WrestleMania 8 or wherever it was. Yeah. Uh, here's a, a good one from Clement. Um, I don't even know if you know this. I don't know this. How many matches did you have in your career? Man, I'm not sure. I, I, You know, I used to keep a journal of everything I did during the day and who I worked with at that night and what the match was like uh, in Continental. And then once I got out of Continental and got in WCW, it became too big of a hassle to keep up with, and I just stopped doing it. I wish I would have kept up with that. That's got to be a lot. Like, I know in doing the research to do the podcast with you, I'm going through matches and you have like five or six in one week, you know, and then you, you multiply that times your career. That's well, and then too, Rob, what you don't see on there too is like t television tapings where we might do three TV tapings. I might work two or three times at a sh television taping, yeah. you know. So, I mean, that could, and then sometimes in WWF, we work twice on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, so you could have wrestled, you know, easily seven, 10, 12 times in a week. Well, we talked too. You don't remember, you know, cities and all that. It was the arena. Like, which arena was that? Right. Yes. 
Uh, oh, here's one from George from Craves. Uh, did you ever wrestle the Ultimate Warrior? Couple times, and it's why I quit the WWF. He was just that bad. Um, just oh, I'm sure a nice guy, but where he start, talked in the third person, and that was just um, a little, a little too much for me. Well, it, it's it's got to be weird because you—that's your character, that's your show for the people. But when you're backstage, you're not. No, I know. No, I know. So, and there was um again. Uh, I had a weird relationship with that guy where it seemed like every time something was happening, I was taking his place. So I, I didn't work with him as much as times I took his position in the business. Uh, here was another good one. Uh, Sid, who was your role model in wrestling? Honestly, man, I didn't really have a role model in wrestling. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I, as far as wrestling, say the word wrestling or the business itself, you know, I wasn't a wrestling fan growing up, so I didn't have role models. You know, we didn't have a favorite. Uh, um, wasn't like I was a, a mark for anyone. Now, I enjoyed people in the business. Uh, again, I'll go back to Eddie Gilbert. It was like I was a sponge and I was learning from him. And there's a lot of people that I was, that would fall into that category with Eddie. Um, I didn't have a, I wasn't like a fan of theirs, but I was a, a student or I was, I was learning from them or, and then sometimes I was a teacher, you know, so I didn't really have a particular person that I looked up to. Okay. Where was the other one? I saw, here we go. Uh, from TJ again, have you ever been in Dayton, Ohio? And again, I don't know if you remember the city, but if TJ can let us know some of the auditoriums there that might make it matter. I'm sure I've been to Dayton. I, I, I've been there too many times not to been to Dayton at least once. Um, here's one. What is this? Grafton. I loved your son on Big Brother, and when I found out he was your son, I couldn't believe it. W what was that like when you now have a celebrity son too, because of a completely different thing? It was strange, you know, because I was getting, I, uh, you know, going to the gym or come out of the gym or going to a restaurant, and they go, "Hey, there's Sid Vicious." I go, "Yeah, oh yeah." Well, I, and your brother, your son, Sid uh, Franco, and Big Brother. Well, that's how they know me again, you know. <laughs> so it is like give me a little shot in the arm for as my notoriety. I thought it was interesting too. I, I think I told you this story when I went to a person I worked with, and I told her uh, about doing the podcast, and she goes, "Sid Vicious, I don't know." And I go, "Well, his name's Sid Udi." She goes, "Wait, is that Frank's dad?" It's like, what, yeah. what? What do you mean you know Frank, but you don't know Sid? What is I this? Know. It's, it's not allowed. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Chris Walden says, uh, oops, this looks like a follow-up. Yes, when he was at the press conference, was awesome, the most boring thing ever. Oh, this is about Warrior. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was never a big mark for his, for his promos. No, it was a little too far out there, you know. Yeah. And here's another good one. Uh, no, no, he doesn't remember. Do you remember all your awesome quotes you said? No, not all of them. This is the reason why, because I, I think about this all the time. Um, I was a stickler about not trying to use the same thing all the time. I don't know why that was. Uh, I did that, but I wish I would have stuck used some of the other ones more often instead mm -hmm. of trying to be more fresh with things. But it was good. You had your name. You had the master and ruler of the world. Right. But you had the freshness of the, the, the promos. Right. 
Uh, here we go. Clement brings another one. Did you ever get involved in a real fight in the squared circle? A couple times, like I said, Ron Starr that started in the square circle but ended up in the bus. Had a couple fights in the bus. Had one time a guy tried to shoot on me at Wendell Cooley when I was a Continental, and I, um, I put him in what's called a sugar hold and choked him down a little bit. But really, other than that, and then one other time, we I tell the story, and I, I'm not proud of myself this, but me and Danny Spivey beat up a guy in Texas one time. I think the fans that could tell – you know, by watching the TV that was real. Uh, wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I would have done approached that differently and maybe just talked to the guy. Um, but everybody was saying beat him up, and we didn't really beat him up that bad. But a couple times. Oh, no, and I think – remember when Pete and I came down, we talked a little bit about it. There's that learning curve, and in that period of time, that was the way you learned. That's the way you handled it. Yeah, if if someone's there and you're you're calling it and they step out of line, you put them back in line. Right. But like you said, it wasn't the, he didn't go home in a stretcher and all that. It no, was just, no, no, no. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, here's TJ Nutter, Cantor, Hera Arena. Uh, they're all from Dayton. So yeah, a couple of the arenas. That sounds familiar. Yeah, that, and that's got to be weird to remember a place by an arena. You know, doesn't, uh, well, I guess you guys never got out into the city at all, did you? No, we really didn't, Rob. Hmm. Uh, here is Eric. Oh, you know, Eric. Yep. Uh, years ago, I was talking with WWE headquarters and the lady talking, taking the call said she'd never heard of Psycho Sid or Bret Hart. How? I don't know. That's possible, Eric. Uh, I don't. Um, of course, Eric calls that office all the time. Um, but again, they could be saying it because Eric called him so often to try <laughs> to get him to stop, you know. Yep, we don't know anybody. Leave us alone. Right. <laughs> uh, here's one. My son Joey wants to know if you ever wrestled Andre the Giant. No, never got the chance to do that. Sort of happy it never happened. He's a big man. That's he a- was, man. And, and pretty scary, too. Um, here's one from Jessica. Uh, what was the worst injury you ever got from wrestling? Probably the compound fracture, you know, that and when uh, I had that um, lung surgery, the two of those, my lung surgery and, and the um, compound fracture. I think any injury period, because like you said, then your body's got to recover. So, right. Oh, here is a good one. Let's do this. One. Eric Hines says, what's the story behind you and Harlem Heat? Stevie Ray says he owes you. Well, the thing was, is um, this is my second run at WCW, and um, I saw uh, the Harlem Heat and, and Sean Walkman, and there was in um, the Texas Territory, it was global, whatever it was called at the time, world class. And so I went there to do a benefit for Kerry Von Eric, and I ran into the Harlem Heat, and uh, I actually brought him in the very next week to WCW. So that's why Stevie owes him. Well, he, the, him and Booker both lived with me for a while there in Atlanta and I actually gave them a pair of boots a piece because they didn't really have matching boots and um, got them going where they could get their own apartment and stuff like that. Gave them their wrestling name. I used to help them with their interviews too. Gave them a manager, Rob Parker, which um, sort of helped them ease into things a little better. It was, um, and I learned, you know, to what Eddie did for me to help somebody, give them a break and give them a chance to be successful. You just, 
there's a few things you have to do. And those were a few things that I did to help them out. Excellent. Here is one. Uh, Pete Youngblood said, dude, you were my idol as a kid. I remember you shaking my hand and I thought, wow, and you were a class act. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that, Pete. When you're out in the arena like that, is that is that on your mind? You know, when you're walking to the ring, because you do the fist bump all the time and all that. How much of a connection do you have with the people there? Are you more focused on the match? You know, Rob, it, it was different. When I was a heel, I I, was, I wanted to stay in character, but as a baby face, uh, you wanted to get those people happy and get them involved in it, you know, and stuff like that. And that's that was part of that that gig that I was portraying at the time. That's got to be tough, though, because even when you were a heel, people loved you. Right. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's got to be tough on the character. It, it really does. Um, here is one from Grafton. Out of all the companies you worked for, which was your favorite? WCW. Um, it was a it was just just a really good company to work for. We won't see anything like that again, probably. Um, it was um, you didn't. It wasn't like wrestling company. They treated you really well. You know, they cared about your family. It wasn't, um, especially my first run in there. Um, I didn't see anything ever change too much on the last run. Some of the stuff was equaling out like and i hate saying this but you see you saw some of the drug abuse got a little worse as the the run got there at the end we know a lot of the stories that happened there so i mean i can't you know we can't hide those stories um but in the beginning days and, and overall it was just wcw is the better company to work for hmm. uh philip here has a question what wrestling league were you lord humongous continental and i did it in memphis for a little bit as well and again, how did that come around? Like, because they were training you at this point too. Who was? You You were training at this point. And that's when they brought you in as Lord Humongous, right? Right. How did, how did they decide this is your gimmick? Um, let's see. Ask me that again. I was looking at a text from Bruno. Not a worry, not a worry. How did they decide Lord Humongous was going to be your gimmick as you were coming up? Well, I got um, pulled into it. Um, I was filling in for someone. I think they told me it was Terry Funk. And um, um, this, so they said, of course, I was nobody, but Lord Humongous had been there before. So they said, let's put him in the Lord Humongous character. So I went around the loop for like two, three weeks, filling in for that spot. And then they let me go. And then Continental brought me in. Bob Polk was uh, working with Ron Ron Fuller, who was one of the owners. And they brought me in down there as Lord Humongous. I didn't even know Continental existed at the time. Of course, we talked about that quite a bit, too. So, yeah. um, And that's how and then I got brought down to Continental doing the Lord Humongous full time. And that's how really that's my first break in the business. Okay. Jessica has another question. What championship belts have you won? Well, I won the Continental belt, Southeastern Heavyweight Championship. And then I won um wcw two or three times and wwf a couple times yes uh wcw three if you take into account your right title reign <laughs> right a five oh, second yeah. moment of fame <laughs> that is awesome uh let me see here glenn looks like he's got a couple uh how was your match with kevin nash i think you had probably more than one yeah i had more than one they were always okay you know um uh, again, uh, Kevin 
is a great guy. He, he just he liked to have fun and he didn't really care about having the best match of the night. You know what I mean? And um, and I didn't have a problem with that. You know, um, so he was fun to work with, but it wasn't like I was going to um, remember that match. Gotcha. And James has got one too. If you could go back and change anything in your career, what would it be and why? I don't know, guys. Um, James, I probably would have um, not gone to the WWF my first time like that. I would have stayed there and taken the guaranteed money. And I would have, um, I think things might have worked out a little bit better for me. Uh, Sting still worked out okay. Don't get me wrong. I made, I did, I think, pretty good. But that, that would probably be the one mistake that I would have changed. Uh, let me see here. There is one. Why didn't you go back to the WWE after WCW went down? I broke my leg. Yeah, you were uh, healing. Right. And let me see here. Have you ever been asked to work behind the scenes in AEW or WWE? No, I haven't. And if you haven't, would you be interested? I would be. I think it would be interesting to bring that 90s mentality back to today. No, I think it would too, Rob. I think that's the thing is, you know, when you know, and we talk about projects you and I are interested in, I always believe in collaborating with as many people as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, don't worry about someone, whatever, just listen to things. And then, and if you can bring something to the table that's worth it, then I think people should listen. And I think I could bring something to the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, here's Jonathan O'Dwyer, our gentleman from across the lake, uh, across the ocean over in, uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess it up. I think Ireland. That's okay. Yes. uh, You did the interview with him and he said, hey, Sid, best of luck on the rehab. Who was your favorite booker that you worked for? Eddie Gilbert. I like Ole Anderson too. He was fun to work for. Uh, A lot of people didn't like Ole, but there wasn't someone I had to worry about um, being nice to. You know, as long as I worked hard and did what I was told to do, I didn't have to worry about anything. But Eddie was the the most fun because he was teaching me, you know, and um, it was just, again, it was just those were the magic days in my wrestling career. I, I, I admire how much you, you looked up to him for that, for his teaching, because right. it, it was a very giving moment when in a business where everybody seemed to, to grab. Right. Rob, that's the thing is, I just said the business is a, the people to do well are opportunist and I'm the, one of the biggest ones. Uh, I wouldn't have been doing that. And I only helped out just a few people because one, I just didn't have time. Um, but I helped out like, uh, you know, Harlem heat and a lot of other guys, but, um, again, um, you have to be able to do that. You have to be selfish. And, um, if you're not, you just, you're, you're it's going to be harder for you. No, absolutely. Okay. Let me see. Is there anything out here? Uh, Sergio. He says the business needs Sid Vicious. I, I think so too. I, think I do they, too. It's your unique look on it, you know. They're they're very stagnant. I I find. No, I, I think that that's the thing is is, you know, and again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything, but you know, look at some of the people they've hired, and, and um, if you had to look at their, if they put a resume down on a piece of paper, it would say, man, I wasn't that successful. Uh, you know, before my chance of creating things or or as a wrestler or or as just an agent or uh, where their their title was like paul lee i've heard they've taken him out of the production side of things 
you know, Paulie's um, resume would have said I failed. I lost a company to you guys. You know, so, I mean, then you're going to hire him to help your business. That doesn't make, and I like Paulie, <laughs> excuse me. Um, again, you've got to take someone who was successful. You know, uh, that's why, they, you know, like we look back, I talk about my favorite presidents, Teddy Roosevelt. He was successful before he became president, you know. Um, so that's what, again, you want people that are lined up to be successful. Well, and I always look at it, too. If your business is failing, but you had a a time where it was just crazy good, you look back at that and look at why. And right. if they had someone that they brought back, even if they weren't getting along, like they like Vince brought you back because he knew you drew. Right. You look at those things and you try and rebuild that. You know? I think you do. I think you do, Rob. Uh, let me see here. Clement asks, hey, Big Sid, can you name the wrestlers who you are, were, or still best friends with outside of the wrestling business? Well, I've got a bunch of my, One of my best friends in the wrestling business we haven't talked in a while was Carl Ouellette, one of the half of the, the Quebecers. Um, just a really nice guy. Um, came here and stayed with me for a while um, during one of his runs with WWF. I think I was with WCW at the time. Um, but there was a lot of guys I liked. I like Bob. Uh, I mean, uh, Bob Holly rode with him quite a bit. Um, Bart, Billy Gunn, really nice guys to ride with, you know. Um, but, but again, probably Carl's the one I've talked to the most. Yeah. And then, and then downtown Bruno. Bruno's my real friend, you know. Well, he was back at Continental, wasn't he? Right. We, we started down at Continental together. Yes, that's a long-time friend, that is. That's right. Yosef uh, asks, which period was your favorite in WCW? Man, I'm going to go back to my first my first run in WCW because it was a, it was, um, everything was new, Rob. It was fun. It was exciting. The pressure wasn't there. I was absorbing. I was learning. And then after that, become more of a business. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer going somewhere new or would you prefer to go somewhere where you know what's going on and you know the people, you know, which would make you feel better in, in a career? No, Rob, I hadn't even thought about that part of it. Uh, where if I had a chance to go anywhere, I want to be go somewhere and have a chance to be successful. Because um, that, again, I want to be able to solidify myself. And I, I think if it was just a manager routine or if someone wanted creative ideas, I think I could do that in a big way um, better than maybe someone has done in a while in that position. Um, I think if there's so many things out there and I'm going to go to this movie, I tried to get you to watch. It was called uh, Scarecrow and it was um, Al Pacino. Remember that box? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman and Al Pacino. Yes. But, or no, was it Al Pacino or was it uh I think we it was. Were, we were actually just talking about this on the movie Madhouse the other day that you suggested this movie that we watch. And I think it was Gene Hackman and Al Pacino, I think. Yeah, but the deal was about that box. Remember that? He was taking the box to his kid. To me, that's what I want to do. I want to have something where you start something and people don't know what it is. And a year or two years down the road, it's one of the biggest things that you ever could have dreamed of. You know? That mystery. Yeah. And it's not coming up. I tried to do a quick search on the movie just to see who was in it, but it's not coming up. That's all right. Okay. Uh, what do we have down here? 
here we go. Grafton said, who did you not have a run with that you would have loved to? You know, honestly, I don't know anybody that I would have, that I didn't get to work with that I would like to have say more than the people I did work with. Um, I think I got a chance to work with the best, you know? So, and again, for me, I, I think I look, I've told, I said this a thousand times. I looked at this business totally different than everyone else. I, I didn't worry about who I never looked at a booking sheet. I didn't see who I was working with. I didn't care. I didn't look at TVs. I didn't call the office and say, who am I working at TVs? What's my deal? I just wanted to get there, do my deal, get paid and go home. So I just wanted to make the best of that night. Whoever I was working with that night or that week, I tried to make the best of it. Uh, Eric said, yeah, Sid made me watch that movie too. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good movie though. I really enjoyed it. Really it really is, man. It really is a good movie. Uh, William Cook. Uh, in your day, most wrestlers stood out in a crowd. For example, you, Andre, Hogan, Luger, Road Warriors stood out. Now wrestlers are smaller. Yes, they're athletic, but you don't have that awe feeling of seeing you. Nash and the big guys. Do you think wrestling would benefit from bigger athletes and larger-than-life characters? Yeah, I do. I think that's a given. Uh, that's what the people are wanting to see. But you got to give them um, – where the only big guy we can think of right now is Braun Strowman, and he's really struggling to get – everything to come out is interviews. Um, it's just now starting to get there. And I don't know if it's, they're not letting him or if it's, it's just a slow learning curve. Gotcha. Well, oh, I got two questions here. I'm going to end with this one. My son, Joey wants to know what was your signature move? Well, we'd have to say the power bomb, you know, that would be my signature move. I think that one is most iconic for you. Like you did a right. lot. You did the the spinning crucifix and a right. lot of stuff, but that power bomb, I think that was the one. Right. Uh, and now I'm going to end this with this question because you know, you've been, you've been eating so much better and stuff like that. And especially now with the summer and all that, what's your favorite cookout meal? And like, what would you want to just sit down and eat as your perfect cookout meal? Well, I'm going to be honest, man. Right now, I've been in this groove. You know this with this chicken and vegetables uh, cooked on and off the grill. Um, I tried a steak not long ago, and I just could not enjoy it. I did some hamburgers on the grill. I could not enjoy them. I'm um, just right now not enjoying anything rich like that. But, um, you know, um, I'm a meat and vegetable person. Right now, it's white meat and vegetables, you know. So it be chicken and uh... – yeah. Well, I haven't even had potatoes in about three, four weeks, but you know, roast potatoes, mashed potatoes would always be good there. Um, I love my squash, my cabbage, my broccoli, my asparagus and stuff like that. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good cheeseburger once in a while, but since I've been eating so clean for the last three months, the last couple of times, I, and I had some steaks, man, that were like two and a half pound ribeyes and cooked them perfectly. It just, they just did not jump out at me, you know, so. But usually it'd be a steak and some type of potato or something like that. Hannah here mentions that dad's ribs are to die for. No, I make some pretty good ribs too. <laughs> um, I'm just not a rib. You know, I did some baby back ribs of what was it, the 4th of July or whatever it was a while back. Just it took me forever to eat them. I just wasn't, um, I don't know what it was. I really don't. Well, and like you told me, you know, the diet's changing now, especially because you've been losing the weight and, right. getting, you know, so that red meat. It's just, again, I don't know what it is. I just didn't have the taste for it. Now, um, thing for me too, Rob, and pe people that know me know this, I get real uh, goal-oriented. I mean, right now, when I started to say I'm going to lose weight, 
I mean, I'm down to 238 last week, and I go to the doctor tomorrow. I'm sure I'm going to be down to 235 or so. And I'm really looking forward to getting to the 220s. And people go, wow, that's a lot of weight you've lost. But, man, if you got body fat on you, why would you stop losing weight? You know what I mean? And I don't have much left, but I look almost like I did 10 years ago for my contest I did, the only contest I ever did. So I'm starting to see real results from this diet now. And I'm not going to let anybody deter me because people I've talked to are trying to diet too, but they can't lose weight. I've lost over 50-something pounds. And it's just from, you see, Rob, I send you a picture of my food almost every day. And it's just, again, making little adjustments where, you know, what was it a month ago? You can see potatoes on my plate. You haven't seen a potato on my plate in a long time. No it's way. just vegetables and beans and peas and, and white meat. I mean, what was it? Like I said, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I did a few hamburgers and a few ribs. But, man, I think my dogs ate most of that. Well, and that's too, too. You've been losing it properly. You know? Properly, right. That's the biggest thing. Right. This is the thing is, I, first, I think I, I lost a little bit too fast. And all of a sudden, I, then I leveled out and started losing it the right way. And I haven't had any of the, um, the side effects you would have from, say, losing this much weight. Well, in the beginning, I, my memory would go a little bit because the water was going. And um, and then all of a sudden, now I've adjusted to it. I don't have any hunger pains, not like I was having in the beginning. And I just can't imagine, again, um when I was I watched one of my favorite shows called Fuck This Is Delicious with Action Bronson. And I, was, I mean, I've watched those guys eat that tonight. Man, and watching that, I was like, wow, I'd like to have a medium rare hamburger right now, you know, with all the shit on it, you know. But then I remember just a few weeks ago when I had it, I wasn't happy with it. So, again, I'm going to, um, I, of course, I just did all my food today, my my chicken and my squash, and my cabbage and my peas. And I'll have that for a few days. And maybe after that, I might have I, one thing I'm dying half. It was a pizza, but I want it to be a good pizza. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to splurge, there's no sense going halfway. No, I'm going to have a good one. So I'm going to wait for that and try to have a good pizza one day. Excellent. Well, next time I come down, I won't bring you Canadian candy. I will there you go. That anymore. <laughs> I guess we can end it with what Jessica said here. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering all those questions. Thank you, Jessica. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight. And looking forward to talking to everyone again in the weeks to come. Excellent. In that case, we will end it. Bye, everybody. Good night. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle Podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.